This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Now, that kind of talk this week dragged Australia's share market to a two-year low. There are, of course, He was the big spender. The big spender. Doing the grocery shopping could take a huge chunk out of the family budget. And that's finance. Hello and welcome to Comedian versus Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and we're joined as always by my little older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, good day, Adam. How are you going? Ah, going very well, thank you. Mm. Uh, Thomas, before we start the show, I've just got a small favour to ask. We're coming to the end of the financial year and just taking a bit of stock of where we're at. Uh, through our stats, we know we've got one of the highest listen-through rates in the industry, but now we're on a drive to grow our listener numbers. If everyone who listens to this show tells one person, just one person, that's all you got to do, that would be incredible and would help us out so much. So if you know one person who's intelligent, curious about the world with a good sense of humour, then please tell them about us or tag them in one of our socials posts. Uh, that would help us out incredibly. But Thomas, as always... Big show coming up. Mm. Let's get into it. Uh, and Thomas, this is a call to action. As one, we need to rise up and fight the power. Fight the power prices, that is, because they're out of control. <laughs> We're going to find out why a little bit later on. Uh, rates, interest rates just keep going up and up and up and down, apparently. Uh, ANZ has cut its interest rate. We're going to find out why they've done that. Uh, and in case you didn't understand NFTs already, well, strap yourself in because we've got some hardcore NFT nonsense coming up a little bit later in the show. But first, Thomas, it's time to check in on the ASX share market game. I think the final check-in for the game. Mm. Uh, and Thomas, is volatility just a nicer way of saying we're all really losing money? <laughs> uh, what's happening with the ASX game for you? Oh, yeah. No, it hasn't. I'm not bathed in glory from, <laughs> from the, my numbers. Uh, I'm in the top 7,000 mm. uh, now, just. Top 7,000. Yeah. The How seven, does that sit with you? Yeah, a bit disappointed. I'm, I'm a bit disappointed <laughs> in you, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. We know, you know, the funny thing is that I was like, okay, I'm so far out of the game. I'm going to mm. sell up all the dogs that haven't done anything. And haven't barked. Haven't barked, yeah. Mm. And I'm going to sink it into a bear ETF. So <laughs> it's a, I'm, I'm shorting the entire market effectively. So like I'm praying for a crash because the market's mm. been on a downtrend. Everyone's talking about how the market's struggling. Mm. And the market went up. <laughs> so. Ain't that just like the markets? <laughs> Uh, yeah. I'm uh, I'm sitting at four thousand, and my overall rank is four thousand seven hundred and forty-eight. Mm. So, if you told me that, that with a couple of weeks to go, I'd be sitting at four thousand seven hundred and forty-eight, <laughs> I would have taken it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, we got some uh, mover and shakers data. We so we got Jenga's Khan is sitting on sixty four thousand. Right, his, his number that, that I'm presuming that's pretty it? good. Start at fifty k, yeah, to be sitting yeah. at sixty four thousand dollars. That's that's well played in a in a bear market. Yeah, oh, it's on a bear right. market yet, is it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's what's interesting about the the numbers is like. We got we got into the the leaderboard got into the sixty thousands pretty early on, mm. I reckon about three months ago, and then really hasn't gone all that much further since then. Mm. All the leaders that we've checked in on, high exposure to commodities and to mining players, they had a really good run, and then that has started to come off. So you're not getting big pops out of your miners like you were in the first half of the game. Right, market's been tracking, yeah. On, on the slide, so basically the lead, the leaderboard, the lead, the peloton, the top group, they've mm. been just able to hold on to those gains, and that's that's how you've that's how you've stayed ahead through this second half of the game. It's kind of interesting how it works. Mm. The, thing, the thing that really jumps out for me is that twenty four percent of participants are in profit. So over three quarters of the game's participants haven't mm. are, are running a loss, which I think goes to show how short term stock picking is just hard. It's a tricky business. Yeah. Probably fits about with my, my portfolio as well. I reckon 25% of them are in profit. <laughs> 75% of the companies <laughs> are running at a loss. Um, it's yeah. a tough, I mean, it's tough times. It's, you know, if we ran this game 12 months ago, you know, everyone would be, you know, feeling like a genius, myself included. Mm. It'd be a very, very different result. I was happy one of my one of my trades picked up well today. I, got, I bought AGL. I bought the right. dip today, so I don't know if you saw AGL. Did it dip today? Because I heard over the weekend that mm. the AGL board have shelved plans for the demerger. Mm, mm. So Mike Cannon, Brooks and Co. We talked about that uh, yeah. on our show before. So that's not going ahead now. No, that's 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 off the cards. As as we flagged, it was a very high hurdle to clear. They needed seventy five percent of shareholders to agree to the demerger. Mm. Uh, Mike Cannon, Brooks controlled thirteen percent. So. He only needed to bring another twelve percent over to his side of the the ledger to to kill that deal, and yeah. through over the few last couple of weeks, we've seen a big some big holders come out and say they're not in favour of the demerger. So I think AGL saw the saw the numbers were on the board and just went, okay, this isn't going to fly. We just <laughs> let's save ourselves save ourselves the indignity of a vote. Mm. Uh, and I mean, right. That said, the the chairman and the CEO Peter Botten and and Graham Hunt they've both stepped down now, so they're saying, okay, well. We lost right. this battle, so we're out. The, the shareholders want to go in a different direction, so need someone else at the helm. So big changes for AGL. Mm. And so you, th- their share price dipped today, did it? Is that why yeah. you bought in? Down, well, down 2%, but it dropped oh, yeah. It dropped uh, 4% initially about when I got in. So I reckon it's sort of, I think once people sort of get on board with, with Mike Cannonbrook's vision, I, th- I think it could, could lift. I think top seven thousands well within reach for you now. <laughs> this, these kinds of these kinds of slick trades that you <laughs> knowing my record, I should probably just cash out now while I'm ahead, while I'm up fifteen dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. All right. So AGL was one of the one of the stories. Then um, mm. anything else going on? Any sort of trends within the the ASX? Within the markets, I, I got into City Chic as as that was my reopening play. I was looking for a reopening play, and mm. I just took a punt on City Chic without knowing all that much about the company. Uh, right. Hasn't done well. Hasn't done well. But the reason for that is that the CBD reopening has a lot of the City Chic's offices are in the CBD. Um, that reopening has taken a lot longer to play about than people were expecting. Is so, it going to happen? 
the reopening know, that people talk about because yeah, it may just be the new normal, as they say. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, yeah, the property council's got data saying that uh, Melbourne CBD occupancy is six, is thirty six percent. Wow. So yeah, so it's just thirty six percent. It's down to nineteen percent on Monday. Um, gets up to 40 uh, and Friday. So, yeah. I love Fridays in the office. I like going into work on a Friday. A lot of people Do don't, but I quite enjoy it. Yeah. Four, four fifths of people don't, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I like it because it's quiet. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. So, yeah. So, CBDs haven't, haven't bounced back. They're still like all the capitals. Melbourne's the worst, but all the capitals mm. are about 50% or lower. I think people have got reopening fatigue as well. Yeah. We've had a few cracks at reopening now. Uh, There's at least, at least twice that I remember where people have said, right, we're good. Let's all, let's start, let's start going back to the city. We're going to go one day a week, two days a week. And we kind of just started getting some momentum and then COVID, a new COVID wave had hit and and we were back to mm. sort of, right, everyone stay home for a bit. Mm. And so I reckon people are just like, ah, oh, I don't know, you say reopening, I'm just kind of kind of over it. I'm just, I might just stay home. Yeah, I don't think it's really up to them though, is it? Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> ah, beg to differ. Really? I think it is. You telling your boss that, yeah, no, I'm not coming in. <laughs> I think if you said we're all back yeah. in the office, you'd be like, yeah, no. Nah. But, but it's usually phrased as, <coughs> I can't, can't make it in today. <laughs> okay, Thomas, I'm hearing the price of electricity is going to spike if it hasn't already. What's going on with, on with electricity? The price is going up. That's the basic story. So the, the news, the data point is the Australian Energy Regulator came out and approved price increases of up to 18% in New South Wales and up to 12% in Queensland. So the right. Energy Regulator sits, sits on the energy market and tries to stop energy companies gouging consumers um, mm-hmm. and so does that by setting the ranges for the increases that they're they're offering. So hang on, what did it say? A limit of 12%? Up to 12% in Queensland, up to 18% in New South Wales. And it's to stop gouging consumers. (laughs) Just Okay, thanks. Thanks, regulator. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but the the regulator's got to pass on the wholesale prices. So the the regulator sits on top of the retail, but the wholesale prices are going up. So if if retail isn't allowed to increase their prices, they go out of business because wholesale prices are going up. Right. And we've had three retailers go bankrupt in the past three weeks, something like that. So they're, oh, all, wow. they're already going to the wall. Yeah, not dealing with it. But you look at whole, the wholesale electricity prices, the numbers are kind of ridiculous. So back in September last year, um, we're trading at under $50 per megawatt hour. That's how you mm. quote electricity prices, per megawatt hour. So it was under $50 back in September last year. By January, it was just under $80. It, by March, we'd got up to $100, and then right now it's running about $300. Right. So we've gone from wow. under 50 to about 300 in mm. less than six months. So it's really through the roof. And some, some of that's temporary, like some of it's – obviously a lot of it's around the war in Ukraine and the way that that's mm. disrupted energy markets – I talked to my mate Tim, who's an energy market economist, um, and he said a bunch of coal-fired power plants are just blowing up at the moment in big sort of oh. fiery explosions. Well, not literally mm. what he was saying, but something like along, <laughs> along those lines. I was going to say, I would have thought well, that would have made the news. <laughs> Another coal-fired power station has exploded today. <laughs> yeah. Right. But no, yeah, so the, yeah, so I think three three reactors at different different. Uh, 
plants are, are out of action at the moment because right. because these assets are getting really old. I mean, this is sort of the AGL story. These these um, power stations are getting very old now, getting towards the end of their life, which means they're becoming mm. more unreliable. So three reactors are out of action. So Australia's electricity capacity is down by about 20% at the moment. So you've got these, right. these sort of factors feeding into the current spike in prices. But even if you look at the what the Ford market's saying, the Ford market's saying we're getting back down in about a year or so to $100, $120. That's a lot better than $300, but it's still mm. three, to four, three to four times what it was six months ago. So we're, we're locking in effectively a tripling of electricity prices in the wholesale market, mm. which then, yeah, feeds through into, into retail prices. I mean, it could be like we're trying to get people to go back to the city. This could be the master stroke. Like if we jack prices up through winter, people mm. go in and use the office power instead of, you know, <laughs> run the heater in the office. I don't, <laughs> like Anna and I are both working at home at the moment. We run the heater all day and the bills are going to go through the roof. So yeah, yeah. we get back to the city and use someone else's power. Smart. So what, what kind of impact does this have on, on the economy? Like because we've already got inflation, right? Like mm. how does this affect everything else? There's, there's no good news in this story. So... Yeah, so we, <laughs> that's what we're about here on CVE. <laughs> Very much a bad news story. I've got to have a word to you about your Instagram charts too, by the way. So, uh, any any chance of a any chance of a good news chart? So one of these days, they <laughs> don't come around that often. I'll be honest. <laughs> So the, the wider the wider impact. Yeah, so well so the implications first of all is that retailers are going to go to the wall. So a lot of retailers are struggling to like it's crushing their margins or they haven't bought well, they haven't hedged, so they're they're not mm. able to survive. And so yeah, three have gone bankrupt in recent weeks. Electricity in a box sent out a letter to all of their customers saying that they're going to have a 95% increase in their bills. Wow. Well that's because they're shipping it in a box. That's no way to ship electricity. <laughs> Supply charges are through the roof. Have you been to Australia Post lately? Dad, can we turn the heater on? Not until the electricity arrives. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, so that's going to that's gonna shake up the retail market. That also, so then it feeds through into manufacturing. So Australia's manufacturing sector is a big consumer of electricity. They're going to really struggle. Like I was reading about some textile manufacturers in Melbourne's, the electricity prices have gone up fourfold in the last couple of months. So that's, that's right. going to really hurt. There's not a lot of businesses, like if, if energy is a big factor, big, you know, big part of your, your cost mix, there's, mm. that's, that's really going to hurt. Um, and so manufacturing in particular, Aussie manufacturing has been on decline for a while. This could be, you could knock it, knock it down another peg, which is not a great story. So is this, on, is this on top of inflation or is this part of inflation? This is inflation that is coming because, we, because, because the regulator sets prices, we haven't mm. seen this bit pass through yet. We knew something was coming and so this has happened but it's probably not the full sum of it. Like there's more in the pipeline. Like as I saying, like it's... <laughs> low. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's up, it's up 18% in New South Wales but that's, that's probably not going to cover the full... Mm. blowout in, in the wholesale market. So, yeah, there's more it's, there's more coming and it could sort of keep coming for another couple of years. That's what my mate Tim reckons. It sort of could take mm. one to two years to fully pass through. Yeah, wow. Yeah, and um, so, yeah. What, what can we do about it? Anything? Are we, are we just beholden to is, – is this a green energy kind of transition story here? Like can we can – we Oh, it's in, in, the, in the sort of medium term it does sort of – Turbocharge the the impetus for for green energy alternatives, but in the in the short run, that that's you can't really bring that online quick enough to really deal with this. 
Mm. So there's sort of two things you could do. So the UK has the Tories over there under Boris Johnson. They've just introduced a windfall tax. So oil and gas companies are going to be charged 25% tax on their, quote, extraordinary profits. So the extra right. profits that they've made just because prices have gone up because of the war. And that makes sense. They haven't done anything. They've just pro- they're just profiting because the war's created a spike in their prices. So they're gonna, they're gonna, um, yeah, they're gonna tax them. The US, the de- there's a group of Democrats in Congress are pushing for this as well. But yeah, but in the UK, they're gonna put this tax and then they're gonna cycle that back to households. So every household in October is gonna get 400 pounds, and then low-income households are gonna get another 650 pounds. And so that's sort of how they're trying to manage that transition. They're gonna tax the the, ex- the extraordinary profits that the energy companies are making, and then cycle that back into households through grants. That's yeah. one way to do that. Anthony Albanese ruled that out on Friday, saying that, that that's not a thing that they were looking at. I don't know if you remember, but Labor got pretty burnt with their super profits tax, and that sort of killed the Rudd-Gillard government. So they're not what? they're not really interested in looking at that again. What Labor's in government now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the other the other thing they could do is they could have a reservation, a domestic ga- a domestic energy reservation. So this is that we have a mechanism already in place. The coalition brought this in in 2017. It's called for gas in anyway. It's called the Australian Domestic Gas Security Mechanism. Well, the reason why prices why prices in Australia are so high is not because we don't have a superabundance of energy resources. It's that we're paying global prices because we ship most of it off to the world and pay global mm. prices. And so we're paying global we're paying as much in Australia as China is paying. Like for gas, those prices equalize out. But you, if we reserved it and said, like, okay, we're not gonna we're gonna keep some for the domestic market, and then that mm. that can keep a lid on prices. And so, like for gas, like currently it's it's thirty five dollars per gigajoule on the global market, and that's what you're paying on the east coast in Sydney. But in Western Australia, West Australia has its own state based gas reservation, and over there they're paying nine dollars per gigajoule. Oh wow! Mm. So yeah, West Australia is laughing right now, and you, yeah. you might see a lot of manufacturers move west because of this, because they might have cheap access to cheap to cheap electricity or cheap manufacturers. Look out! Well, I think we're all moving west. Those crazy low, low prices. <laughs> all right. Why don't we pause here? We'll grab a word from this week's sponsor. After the break, we're going to be talking about ANZ cutting interest rates, as well as an NFT story that just makes it even more ridiculous than it already was. Back in a minute. You're on comedian versus economist. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Welcome back here on Comedian versus Economist. You can send us an email, cve at equitymates.com or hit us up on Facebook and Instagram at CVE Podcast. Thomas, ANZ is cutting interest rates. Did I read that right? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. They came out last week and announced that they're, they're dropping their lowest variable rate back down to 2.29%. Right. So, yeah, so they passed on the full rate hike in the beginning of the month up to 2.25%. Uh, and now they're dropping it down 1.5%, um, yeah, back to 2.29. So it's only for new customers, but they're looking, the idea is that uh, Rate City were saying, Sally Tyndall's analysts are saying it's a quite a competitive mortgage market at the moment. There's there's mm. not so many people applying for mortgages right now as there were, were sort of six months ago or the end of last year. And so the mortgage market is getting competitive and banks are offering juicy rates to get people in. Westpac did the same as well. They... They, they right. dropped their rate. They hiked by twenty point two five, and then dropped the, their honey, their introductory honeymoon rate down just two point zero nine percent. Is this a lot of people coming out of their fixed term as well? Do you think so? My fixed term ended. I found myself on a bit of a higher rate, so I went shopping around, and a lot of them I noticed are offering cash back as well. So it's another mm. sort of mechanism for attracting new business. So is that is that part of it too? That the end of the fixed rates that people may have done two yeah. or three years ago there is there is a big fixed rate reset in the pipeline it's be starting to happen now like yeah i did i did the same and i'm just just come off mine now right yeah so that's that's got to be part of it but yeah is this an interest rate story then or is this just a we're having a sales story like oh, a little bit i mean i think i think for me it's interesting to remember that the rba is not the only thing that determines the rates that you can get in the market mm. I'm looking around at the moment because, yeah, my, my fixed rates have come off and now I'm looking around what's the best deal that I can get. And there's quite a variety of the mar- in the market. You know, like there's anything from a flat two all the way up to a four for sort of like a pretty standard basic mortgage. Right. There's a lot of, lot of variation in, in, the, in the market. That competitive pressure does influence the rates that you can get. But the other story I think in this is that because like we had the wages data like we talked about it last week, that mm. came in a lot softer than, than people were expecting. And so even though the inflation rate came in hotter than expected, wages was, partic- was particularly soft. And I think that, that caused economists and the whole market to sort of ratchet back their expectations for rate hikes. And so right. I think part of this story is, is the banks going like, oh, okay, we, we passed the full 25 basis points on, um, we thought we, you know, it's off to the races with rate hikes. So we're just going to keep keep pace with it. I think I think they might be to an extent going like, ah, oh, maybe it's not going to be so so aggressive from here going forward. It might be a little more chill. Right. I mean, a honeymoon rate does imply that it finishes mm. like soon. Yeah. So you go to the marriage rate. You go to the marriage rate. <laughs> Where they nag you all the time for repayments. <laughs> All right, Thomas, you know I love NFTs. Uh, you've got an NFT story for us this week, which is I'm quite excited about. Like it's one of these stories that's sort of either like really illustrative or just shows that we've reached peak stupid. So maybe can we just, can we just reset and just um, for anyone that doesn't know what an NFT is, it's a non-fungible token. You've probably heard of them by now. Um, it's a, it's also a way. Also known as a GIF. Also known as a, what? No. Well, yes. <laughs> um, 
But it's a, it's an image or it's some sort of digital property that you can prove ownership with through the blockchain. You can buy and sell them. Um, we're not going to go into it any further than that. We did do an episode on NFTs, I think, probably a year ago now. Um, so if you want to know more, go back and listen to that one. Um, but Thomas, what is this one about? Mm. Yeah, so there's a there's a guy called Seth Green who mm. is a sort of an actor, probably best known for voicing the character of Chris on Family Guy. Mm. So sort of a comedian. He also did Robot Chicken, I think, if anyone's familiar oh, with Robot Chicken. Robot Chicken. Yeah, he made oh. Robot Chicken. Yeah. He was pitching a TV show called White Horse Tavern, I think it is. But mm. the idea of the TV show is it blends real-life characters with NFTs, animated NFTs. I think they're all NFTs. I don't know, <laughs> or it's just animation. A bit like, yeah, Space Jam. <laughs> who Framed Roger Rabbit, for anyone who remembers. Yeah. <laughs> The, uh, the masterpiece that was Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, it's um, set in the bar. So it's a bit of like a cross between Space Jam and Cheers, mm, I think, yeah. is how <laughs> pitching it. <laughs> but the lead, the, so the lead character was an NFT, a Bored Ape NFT. So Bored Apes are very famous NFTs as the Bored Ape Yacht Club collection. Yeah. Um, and there's one, one of them called Daniel Simeon. I don't know what was particularly special about that <laughs> NFT, <laughs> that picture of a monkey. I'm actually fairly well across this story because I All was right. interested in it, unlike most of your other stories. But uh, I'm loving listening to you explain <laughs> <laughs> explain what went down. Yeah, great. Yeah. That's a career yeah. highlight for me too. <laughs> <laughs> this Daniel Simeon NFT, which is apparently mm. worth $200,000 for the picture of Daniel Simeon. Yeah. He, he, Seth, bought it and owned it and mm. uh, animated it and injected it into, as the main character in this TV show. Yeah. Um, put together a pitch. There's a, there's a preview on Twitter. And then someone stole his <laughs> NFT. <laughs> so he no longer has. He got fished. Seth fell for a fishing campaign. Oh, like I don't know the details of it, but he fell for a fish, like a fishing email. You get them at work or whatever all the time. Oh. So he fell for the fish, I'm and the someone Prince, stole send NFTs. Yeah, <laughs> someone stole his NFT. So oh. I don't know if there's a precedent for this. Like, um, like mm. having your your lead actor on your soon to be TV show <laughs> getting, getting stolen. Um, I think it actually happened during the filming of the latest Top Gun movie. People thought Tom Cruise got stolen, but it turned out he'd just fallen down behind the couch. Um, <laughs> this guy, I think his name was Darkwing84 was his handle. No, no, um, no, no, no. Darkwing84 bought it from whoever right. stole it. So now Which he, they could be the same person though. Like the, oh, could they? Well, I think so because you don't know who anyone is in the, in the crypto sphere. Oh, okay, yeah, right. But he bought it from someone with a different handle. Right. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. one handle stole it mm. and then sold it to Darkwing84, which may have been the same person. Right, right, right. I, I went and had a look at Darkwing84's collection of NFTs, oh, yeah. um, one of which is a picture of Clive Palmer's face with dicks drawn all over the top of it <laughs> while he's asleep. I've no idea why that even exists, but this Darkwing84, he's now transferred it to a user called GBE Vault, uh, which sounds like he's put it in a vault. So it sounds to me like Seth's not getting his NFT back. I'm interested in your thoughts on this, Thomas, because mm. is this kind of where we're, we're heading with the metaverse and the future and, and digital assets? Like in the future, in the metaverse, this digital thing, it might be your house that you've built in the metaverse that you've, 
you could lose it through a fish. Like, this is kind of concerning, I think, for the future. No, it's not. No, I don't, <laughs> don't see that happening. I mean, you think of no, because like what he's what he what he's stolen. Mm. Like it was the the original board ape is just a JPEG, right? Like it's just mm. a picture of an ape. Seth Green, it's like it's effectively it's concept art for the character the, for the animation that was going to go in the TV show. Yeah, it's not you're not actually anim, animating the NFT, so it does. Like I don't know why Seth Green well, just doesn't keep, is, just go he's... ahead with it. Right? <laughs> Like, yeah, come at me, Darkwing84. If you reckon you've got IP on this thing, come sue me in court. See how you go with it. Do you think Do you think law enforcement's kept up well enough to, to, to track down this kind of situation? Like, because I, I know that Seth didn't, didn't, doesn't sound like he rang the police. He just, like, sent Darkwing84 a Twitter message and went, look, you really need to give it back or you're going to find yourself in court and I really want to avoid that. Mm. So I'm curious why he wouldn't have gone to the police. I'm guessing he went, there's no way that they're up for, for solving this crime. Yeah. You do, I mean, you do hear about them tracking down stolen bitcoins and things. So they're, they're, right. they are onto it. <laughs> you file a missing person report. <laughs> Can you describe this ape to me, sir? But you're right. I could have used, there's another whole, there's a whole collection of these things. And one of, like, you could just grab any of the cheap ones and just say mm. it's it's this one just dressed up in the other one's clothes, and because that's what actors do, right? That's <laughs> it's a picture of a monkey. Like, <laughs> like it's not, there's not that much unique about it. Like, I think I don't know what this character Daniel mm. Simeon had, like, other than maybe a, a signature T-shirt that he wears. Yeah, he it's wears like, a Bones T-shirt to yeah. distinguish him from the other apes that oh, wore, oh, like, different T-shirts and had eyeballs hanging out of their faces. Man. Yeah, I don't know. And if it, so if it does end up in court, like, how does that even play out? Like, can you imagine the prosecutor going into the, into the courtroom just being like, well, you see, Judge, this is just your classic case of an NFT which was stolen during a phishing attack and then traded on a crypto exchange. I think you'll find it's pretty much open and shut. <laughs> Imagine their judge being like, right, well, this seems as good as time as any to retire. <laughs> I'll catch you guys later. <laughs> All right, Thomas, super quick before we finish up for the day, uh, just a bit of listener feedback to get through. Amy sent us a message via Facebook at CVE Podcast. Um, we talked about terror the other day and the crash of the stable coin that turned out not to be so stable. Uh, Amy sent us a link that I thought was worth mentioning. She's linked us to a project called USDT, spelled U-S-D-T-E-A, as in the drink. It's the first stablecoin backed by Arizona iced tea. It makes no sense to me. <laughs> but uh, then again, either does uh, either do NFTs. And, uh, and neither did Dogecoin, I think, worth pointing out when it was launched. <laughs> that was launched as a joke. So yeah. I think, uh, think the thing I love about USDT is they've now they've been oversubscribed, so they're no longer selling USDTs. Because, oh, really? Yeah, because they they capped it at a thousand. Because for every dollar that they that they received, they had to go out and buy a dollar's worth of iced tea. <laughs> so if they received, like, if it went viral. I think that the story I like to imagine is it started to go viral and they realised that they had to buy a warehouse to store all the iced tea oh, wow. to back back the back the stablecoin. But do, but doesn't iced tea have an expiry date on it? You can't 
And how do you know it's going to be worth the same as when you, if you buy a dollar's worth of iced tea, I think that doesn't I mean think you can sell it for a dollar. I'm overthinking this, Adam. <laughs> I need to put it more in the context of a friend of mine who made sausage coin just as a thing to do <laughs> that went nowhere. Didn't get the same viral traction that USDT's got. All right, Clement has sent us a message via Instagram at CVE Podcast. Uh, she says, uh, she was listening to Bryson Wren the other day on Get Started Investing or in uh, Equity Mates Investing Podcast, not sure which one, and she said they were talking about intentionally selling some positions at a loss for tax purposes. Thomas, she was wondering your thoughts on this and how does this work. Also asked, actually, should I finally get rid of my zip shares? So uh, noting that you are not a qualified tax accountant in any way, uh, <laughs> barely an economist, um, <laughs> <laughs> Thoughts? Oh, no, I don't really have any. Like, it'd be nice to be that rich that you've got to create losses to minimise <laughs> your tax. It's not a situation that I'm in. Um, but I could see how it could work that you, you know, you lose some money, you drop down a tax bracket, but mm. it really depends on your, your personal circumstances. Couldn't mm. know. The thing I note about Zip, though, is that NAB has just launched their own buy now, pay later offering. Right. So that's coming into the market as well. And we've talked about this a bit in the past, but like for me, buy now, pay later, the whole reason it existed is because it was exploiting a loophole in the credit system mm. where it was just, it was offering credit without doing thorough credit checks. Banks weren't allowed to do that. that there was a niche in the market that buy now, pay later jumped into, but now they've paved the way. Banks are now following suit and joining that market. And I think all of the existing players are going to struggle to hold ground as the market gets saturated and as, as your big banks come into it. I think there's a lot of pressure on, on, on the buy now, pay later companies. And that's going to mm. that's going to that's going to hold. Right. Well, there you go. Definitely not a buy, hold, or sell recommendation in any way. And I would, uh, Clement, I'd talk to a tax agent about the uh, selling positions at a loss if that's if that's your game. Um, definitely do not take financial advice from any podcast, but this podcast in particular. <laughs> uh, thank you once again for listening. Uh, we really enjoy bringing you the show every week. Don't forget to tell one person, if you could, just one. That would really help us out uh, immensely. Uh, of course, lots of other great shows to get your ears around from Equity Mates, uh, Equity Mates Investing Podcast, Get Started Investing, You're in Good Company, Talk Money to Me, which had a really good episode on debt recycling, actually, if you're interested in that as a strategy, Crypto Curious and and the dive, which is excellent as well. Of course, FinFest also happening October 15. Head to equitymates.com forward slash FinFest for all the information. But Thomas, that's it from us for another week. We look forward to joining you again next week. For now, it's bye from us. Comedian vs. Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian vs. Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.